Are you busy? Have you ever been asked that question? And, and you wonder what people are thinking when you're rushing around like these vehicles moving so fast. Well, of course I'm busy. And sometimes people will recognize that and then they'll ask, uh, well, how, how busy are you? And the reason is because they want to take some of your time. And often that's how we decide if we're busy or not. How much time do I have to do all of this stuff? Well, let's rephrase the question a little bit. Not just are you busy, but are you productive? In other words, we can spend a lot of time doing a lot of things, but the question is, what are we accomplishing? Let's ask this question. Are you too busy for God? Going back to that previous question about productivity, I think God might word it just a little bit differently. He might ask this, are you faithful or just busy? Let's talk about being faithful today as we're busy for God. In our series of messages covering some of the parables of Jesus, in which he is simply teaching us with life stories some valuable truths, today we're going to hear a, probably a, a familiar parable on the parable of the talents, or as the new NIV phrases it, the parable of the bags of gold. And I'll explain why it's rephrased later. But in this life story, Jesus is teaching us about being faithful. So let's listen in as the master storyteller gives us one more life lesson. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid 
and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they will have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Are you busy? Maybe this past week you've been busy doing some of this. Watching Warriors games and Sharks games. Boy, what faithful fans, huh? Even when the games aren't played in our city, the fans still gather at those arenas so they can cheer their team on and be with one another. I mean, that's faithfulness. Now, maybe you're a little more like this. That's the kind of fan I am. I'm kind of busy doing other things, and I'll just check in to see what the score is, and maybe in the last few minutes I'll watch because that's when it's exciting and you're going to see who's going to win. How faithful of a fan are you? How faithful of a follower are you to Jesus? In this parable of the talents or the bags of gold, Jesus is talking about being faithful to the work he's called us to do. Now, it's kind of interesting when Jesus tells this parable. He just finished telling another story, the one we're familiar with where the ten virgins are waiting for the bridegroom to come and five had oil in their lamps and five did not. And, and those who did not had to run off to buy oil and when they were gone, the bridegroom came and they were shut out from the wedding. Jesus told that story to tell us to be ready all the time because we don't know when he's going to come back. Then he tells this parable and then he gives another parable about the great judgment scene when God will gather all believers there and separate them like sheep and goats. And he will call to attention all the things that the believers have done as evidence of the faith that they have in their heart. But during this parable, while we're waiting for the bridegroom to come, Jesus said, you've got some work to do. Be faithful. So let's take a look at his story, and from it I gather three key points about being faithful. And that first is, remember who you're working for. Jesus started out the story by simply talking about a man who had a lot of wealth, and he was going to go off on a long journey, and he left his wealth to his servants for them to work. It's clear that this man that he's talking about is himself, our Lord Jesus who, after he lived and died and, and rose for our salvation, then returned to heaven and took his position at the right hand of God. And from there he will come back to judge the living and the dead. Now this Lord has got a special meaning for us. You know, we use the word Lord so often that sometimes I think we forget what Lord really meant. 
The word Lord was referring to a sovereign, somebody who was a ruler, who had control over all things. And that certainly describes our Lord Jesus. We're told that he rules over all things now as king of kings. But we also know him as our savior. Because a Lord back then was one who purchased people to be his servants or his slaves. Maybe they owed a debt to him and now they had to work it off. Or, or maybe he just bought them out of captivity and put them to work. We can see how this applies to Jesus as our Lord who redeemed us and who made us his bond slaves. In our text, it used the word servants, but in the Greek, in the original language, the word was really slaves or bond slaves. That's how God refers to us, as his bond slaves, those who have been purchased and put to work. We've been purchased by Jesus with his life and his death. With his life, he paid off the debt that you and I owe to God, a debt of perfect righteousness that we can't pay. But Jesus paid it with his perfect life. With his death, Jesus bought life for us because the curse of sin was paid. And with his resurrection, he delivers us from sin and from death and from the devil. And with that declares that you and I are his possession forever. We have been purchased and made the bond slaves of Christ with his life, death, and resurrection. That's a very close bond. And now, as our Lord, he is there to love us, to provide for us, and to guide us in our work for him. You see, he purchased us with a purpose. Just doing a quick scan through the Bible of, of ways in which the word serve or, or slave was being used, we can see several ways in which God wants us to serve him. From Galatians 5, Paul writes, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. God wants us to serve with the spirit of love. In Romans 6, he said, you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. God wants us to serve him with obedience to his will. Later, Paul will write, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. So he is urging us to remember who it is we serve in this world. It's our Lord Christ. Paul highlights one way, one special way that we do that. As he refers to his fellow pastor, Timothy. He said, you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. God has called us to work the gospel, to share with others that same beautiful message of redemption that you and I know. Paul tells us how we should live and serve as slaves with these words. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave 
to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. Did you catch his attitude? Do you see what Paul is saying it means to be a slave, a servant? It means to understand, to accept, and to work with others to bring them to Christ. Are you busy? I want you to think for a minute about bosses that you've had in your life. Uh, now, husbands, I don't mean your, your wives. But what bosses have you had in your life? And, and did you have certain expectations of them? Did, were you expecting them to treat you in certain ways? And did you know what expectations they had of you? I'm sure we were all looking for the, the perfect place, the perfect person to work for. I'm told that that perfect place is right here in Silicon Valley, Google. It's rated as like the top company in the United States to work for because of the care and the dedication that they give to their employees. And they get back from them that dedication and hard work. But how do you view God? Do you view him as one for whom you are to work? Do you see him as your Lord who has purchased you, owns you, loves you, cares, provides for you, and who has called you into his service? There is no greater privilege or honor than to serve the Lord. Remember who you work for. The second lesson that I think we can derive from Jesus' story is this. Recognize what he has given you. In the account, Jesus said this man gave talents to his workers. Now, the word talent is simply referring to everything that we have. You know, when we hear the word talent, we think of somebody's ability, somebody's ability to play an instrument or to sing or to, or to do this or whatever it might be. But the word talent was just a form of money in Bible times. We're told it was equal to about 6,000 days of wages. All right, so take like what a minimum average wage might be in, in our day and multiply it 6,000 times. It, it's about like $250,000. So that guy who got five talents, he had over a million dollars. And the guy who had two talents, he was given a half a million dollars. And the other guy, $250,000. What would you do if you had all that money? I'm sure you wouldn't blow it at Disneyland. My wife would say I would. But you probably wouldn't blow it, right? You would take and put it to work, earning more 
giving you some security. And that's what Jesus was trying to bring out in this story. You see, even the little word give that this master gave these talents to his servant has a special meaning. That word in the Greek implies that there was a purpose behind the giving. God gave gifts to us with a purpose. And we'll talk about that as we move on here. But Paul underscores this when he writes this about the gifts we have from God. And by gifts now, we can think of everything God has given us. It, our, our money, our time, our abilities. Paul reminds us they all come from God and are to be used according to his purpose. Paul says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them and all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. With that, Paul is simply reminding everything that we have comes from God and has been given to us for a purpose. The Apostle Peter summarizes the purpose of those gifts with these two words. Whoever speaks, let it be with God's words. Whoever serves, do so with the strength that God supplies. So he's simply saying that what you have is to be used for God's purpose of speaking, speaking the gospel. Now here's a list of some ways in which that can be done, through preaching or, or teaching, encouraging others, shepherding, that is guiding others, praying, singing, writing, evangelism or witnessing. And if you don't have those gifts of speaking, perhaps you have gifts of serving. That is, where we just use our abilities to share God's love and help people. Might happen through administration and leading, helping others, being hospitable or providing for the needs of others, the gift of music, labor, using your hands to do things, or crafts or design, whatever. All of those things have a purpose for us to use them for God. Have you ever uh, seen the, the TV show Hoarders? <laughs> Where people just keep collecting all sorts of things. <laughs> and I'm not here talking about those who just like never throw anything away, but I mean people here who keep gathering certain things, collecting certain things, and just have more and more and more of it. And the point is, what's the purpose? They just gather all those things and it just sits. Well, that's kind of like what this guy was doing who got the one talent from his master. He hoarded it. He just set it aside because he didn't want to use it for anything. There's a danger that comes with hoarding, and that is not using what God has given us, given us those things for, for his purpose. We have to understand, when we get these gifts, they come with a responsibility and a resolve to respond to God's grace. God has given us the gifts and the opportunities to use, and we're simply, as the servant in the reading said, doing it because it's our duty. Our service and our response to God should simply be a reflection of his grace to us. Nothing more, nothing less. 
We don't serve because we want to get something from God, and we don't serve because it's, a, it's an obligation that I must beat. It's a response of joy. The servant in this story didn't understand the love of his, of his master. He said, I was afraid of you. I thought you were a harsh man. That's the same word that's used to describe Pharaoh in the Old Testament. When the Israelites were slaves there, and they were told that they had to make all these bricks for all these buildings, but they weren't given any dirt, any mud, any straw, and yet they had to produce. That was being harsh. Our Lord is not like that at all. Our Lord gives us everything that we need to carry out his work. He will never ask us to do what we are incapable of doing or don't have the resources for. He is loving and providing. So while our master is away on his journey, he wants us to carry out our responsibilities. I told you before that that these talents added up to a lot of money for the one over a million dollars. What would you do with a million? Do you know you have something worth much more than a million dollars? You have the greatest commodity in this world, the gospel, because it gives eternal life. Let's put it to work. Peter urges the Christians, he says, each of you use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Are you busy? That is, do you recognize the gifts that God has given you? Do you see the opportunities that he has put before you? This isn't just a request. It's a calling from your Savior and the pointing of your spirit. Now let's get ready to work. Years ago, I, I remember a, a neat movie. It was The Untouchables. It was about that special group of detectives in the Chicago police force decades ago that were taking on the mob or the mafia. And there was one young detective, Elliot Ness, who was being trained by a veteran uh, officer and throughout the movie, that veteran officer would keep asking the question, what are you prepared to do? Even in the, in the final scene when he's shot by the mob and he's dying, he reaches up and he says, what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do? Let's start with these principles. Asking the Spirit to enlighten our hearts and our minds, to show us how he's gifted us, to show us the opportunities that are before us that we know we're called to serve. And then let's ask him to empower our service, that is, to bless it. Let's, let's not focus on what is it doing for me. Let's not be self-centered, nor let's not be selfish. I can't do that, or I don't want to do that. I don't have time for that. Let's ask God to bless what we do in his name. It's for his glory and for the good of others. And then we focus our attention on the purposes that he has given us. There are three. First, to edify 
one another, to build each other up in our faith and in our Christian walk. The Apostle Paul, when he talks about the gifts that God gave to his church, highlights that. He writes, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The second purpose for his gifts to us are for evangelism. That is, to work to share the gospel with others. Listen how Luke records what happened when the early Christians put their gifts to work in their lives. He writes, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look what the Lord does. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Our gifts and our activity, our busyness for the Lord is for the salvation of others. And finally, he reminds us this is all for exalting God. As the Apostle Paul also said, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. My friends, are you busy? Are you ready to work for God? Are you faithful in using what he has given you to carry out his purposes? Your talents, that is your time, your money, your abilities, are God's gift to you. And what you do now is simply your response to his grace. You know, churches are referred to as not-for-profit or non-profit organizations. We're not in this for money. But God expects a return. Souls that will know him and will be saved. Let's take this encouragement from the Apostle Paul who says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let's get busy. Amen.